everyone. Welcome back to the MTG Goldfish Podcast, episode 88. The crew is in attendance. Chaz, as always, accompanied by Richard. Richard, how are you? Hey, guys. What's going on? How's it going? Seth, what's up? What's up, guys? Not a whole lot. Ready to uh, talk about some stuff? Some stuff. Yeah, <laughs> some stuff, as, as always. Um, if you haven't checked out, uh, our, the entire Kaladesh video review is out now on the MTG Goldfish uh, YouTube page. That was really fun, Seth. Uh, I think people really... We had some mixed reviews, but I think the overall re- receivement of it was positive for the, the new format. So it was a lot of that, fun. That's true. It was a lot of fun. And the reviews were way better than not activating Phantasmagorian twice in the same turn. The reviews on that were extremely negative. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the, it, it counteract, they counterbalanced themselves. So you got a little bit of a reprieve. Uh, on the docket... We're going to talk a little bit about pre-release, and I guess we can kind of get more thoughts on just Kaladesh. We had more time to kind of marinate on it, sit on it, look at cards, maybe do some testing. But Richard actually went to the pre-release, so we might get a newfound look at Kaladesh from a different perspective. Uh, then we're going to move on to BNR announcements. Uh, there's a lot to talk about, but <laughs> I mean, kind of not really. <laughs> uh, then we're going to move on to a new format, uh, new things... Coming out of uh, Hariruya, uh, a new format called Frontier that they're coining. So we're going to give our thoughts on that. It just just showed up this morning as uh, we're recording. So we want to just at least touch on it a little bit. I don't know where it's going to go, but I, we all have some uh, input on it. And then uh, wrap things up with some fish mail. So, Richard, take us away with uh, the pre-release. I, I didn't end up going after all. It's, it's just not a very good place to uh, look for pre-releases down here, but share your experience. So am I the only one, Seth? Did you did you make it to the LGS? Uh, no, no, I didn't. I, I almost did, but I didn't. I think I say that every podcast right after the pre-release, but think, one of these times it's actually going to happen. Every pre-release, Seth plays Cube. Guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, that is it really is Magic Online's fault. If they wanted me to support my local gaming store, they wouldn't put up Cube at the same time as pre-release. Fair well, enough. I went, and it was really good. Uh, they, have you guys seen the new box? So they keep upping their game on the pre-release box, and now it's like an invention. It like slides out. Uh, there's a thopter inside, and it's a really nice box, one that you would uh, keep after playing like if you like collecting fat packs and things like that you would uh, love this box so i like really going with that uh the format itself was pretty sweet it is super slow and grindy uh you know you have cards like mall drifter and jace's ingenuity what's five mana draw three but you have those cards so people are just uh, playing vehicles drawing tons of cards swinging haymakers left and right so it's a very powerful format, but it's also a very slow and grindy format. Like, every round, multiple people went to time. Uh, so many draws on the table, and we're talking about draws at, like, game two, not even game three. <laughs> so that's my style of magic, and I really liked it. Uh, energy was very annoying. You, now you have to keep track of this extra thing. Uh, but it seemed to play well. There seemed to be trade-offs, but there were also times where your opponent is at, like, nine energy, and you're like, are you going to do anything about that, or... Is it just going to sit there? I have no idea. And vehicles, pretty fun. They're not as powerful as like I thought initially. They're just okay, and they're all kind of... It's kind of an all-in card. If you're winning, it snowballs you out of the game. But if you're behind, it does absolutely nothing. So it's a very interesting trade-off there. But overall, I think Kaladesh was probably the funnest pre-release I've ever done. Yeah, I think it's been the best set. I've done, and the art is amazing, and expeditions are amazing. Uh, I saw a couple of them. The inventions look pretty sweet. Uh, I didn't see anyone solving someone on turn one and blow them <laughs> out of the game. <laughs> but uh, there were like lotus petals and stuff floating around, and gear hulks and stuff. So it was pretty interesting. I think I'll play Kaladesh Limited. I, I think that sold me enough that, you know... Mall Drifter at Uncommon is good enough for me. I'm, I'm going to play this format. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, so so now that you saw Expeditions up close, what is the, the process on that? I know I, It's still hard to tell from like pictures and stuff like that, but is it is it worth it? Is it still kind of they could do better, or you're, you're very okay with them? They look good, but they still okay. look from the vaultish to me. 
Uh, I, I didn't sit there and analyze, you know, in, in deep, but it's, it's a different foiling process. And uh, I would prefer non-foils. <laughs> but really? it, it, okay. looks, it looks from the voltage, but it looks really good still. Okay. Well, then... Uh... All right, so moving along, banned and restricted announcement. No changes across all formats. Uh, <laughs> hot takes. <laughs> Seth. Uh, well, I mean, overall, I think that's pretty much what everyone expected. Yeah. When we talked about it last week, we were like, oh, like, I don't think anything will happen, but there's a slight chance of, like, Become Immense or Ink Moth or random things like that. So it's not surprising. The only real surprise, and we didn't really talk about pauper on our podcast but it was widely expected that peregrine drake was going to get banned in pauper because it's kind of been blowing up that format since it was printed in eternal masters so a lot of the pauper people that i've talked to and seen on my twitter feed were very shocked that that's still in the format and there's not another bnr announcement till i think the end of january now this is a longer than usual gap between sets so uh, we get another four months of Peregrine Drake and Pauper if that's your format of choice. <laughs> I know uh, a few people are very not very happy about that <laughs> at all. Uh, but you probably play Pauper. Well, I guess Richard, you play some too. Is, is it really a big deal, or like, is it is it at least tolerable for four more months? Or did you really were you really surprised not to see it, and probably are boycotting until <laughs> for the four months of. Uh, until the next uh, update. So I actually really enjoy playing that deck. It feels like playing Splinter Twin with all commons. Like, that's essentially how the deck plays. It's like a really good blue-red control deck that just randomly combos off and wins sometimes. So the deck is actually fun to play. The problem is the people that crunch the numbers on Pauper, at various times it's been like 30 plus percent of the decks that actually uh, go 5-0 in leagues on Magic Online and stuff like that. So it is a extremely high metagame share and always like the one of the very best top performing decks and that hasn't really changed. So I think that's the surprising part. I don't think that Popper is ruined, but it's clearly the best deck in the format and probably too good for the format just because it's kind of minimizing diversity from what I've seen where decks that normally would uh, just be a deck, a Tron deck, for example, is a deck that gets played in Pauper are finding that the best thing to do is just jam the Drake combo into your Tron deck or jam it into your Delver deck or whatever deck you're playing. Like it almost becomes right to just throw this combo in because it doesn't take that many cards. So in some ways, it's kind of minimized the diversity of the format, I think, just because the the combat itself is so efficient and takes few cards that it shows up in a lot of different decks. Fair enough. Richard, overall thoughts on the BNR now? I think it was expected. I don't think anyone you know, really yep. expected Modern to change. Uh, I personally don't have a problem with Modern. I mean, it's a fast format. I mean, if you want to change that paradigm, then I guess. But I don't think any of the decks are super overpowered, and it's kind of just flavor of the month. We've had many different metagame shifts since the last BNR with nothing actually changing. You know, Eldrazi was the boogeyman, Infect was the boogeyman. Uh, So it just comes and goes, and I don't know, it's it's fine. (laughs) Like, that's that's my opinion. I play Modern every week, and my local metagame is totally different than what you see online. And I think it's kind of like Legacy, where just each local metagame will be totally different. Because there's so many viable decks, or decks close to viable. So, I'm fine with it. I don't know. Yeah, I see some people making some jokes about, especially Become Immense and how pushed Infect is. But I think I think overall, it goes back to the conversation we had not too long ago, or I think last cast, actually about just this is just kind of like a self-correcting format right like you kind of just have to let things play out so i don't think i I, like you both said i think it was expected that there weren't weren't going to be any changes and you're right richard it's it's kind of like a ever-changing dialogue like first it was oh you know aldrazi and that did have to ultimately get banned but then you know in fact and then oh why dredge is like the best deck ever like why are we playing any other deck then it's like bant eldrazi is like the best deck so that alone should tell people that the format is healthy when the dialogue is constantly changing maybe in fact is kind of a little 
pushed, but you know, I, I think once there's enough time that has passed and it's clear that it's not stopping, and or you know, Dex really can't handle it too well, then uh, I'm I'm assuming they're going to do something. But until then, I I I tend to agree with you overall with modern. That it's it's pretty diverse. I mean, yeah, and even if you ban out, in fact, you're just gonna have the Splinter Twin problem. It, it's not like right, right some deck will be magically become viable. You'll just get a few more percentage points on the other decks. Like, Jun will go from a 49% win rate to a 50% win rate. And your metagame will just kind of be the metagame with Infect missing. Kind of like how the metagame now is just the metagame with Twin missing, add in Eldrazi because it's added after the fact, right? And that's, that's kind of it, right? And it's really the new decks are decks with new mechanics, right? Like, Dredge got a whole bunch of new cards. Uh, Aldrazi got a whole bunch of new cards. Uh, you're not seeing a resurgence of decks from like 10 years ago or 5 years ago or whatever once Twin leaves the format. It's really, what does Wizards print in the next standard to enable new decks for Modern? And So the, the thing with Infect, I think, isn't so much that the deck is just too good. I think it's just not fun. Like, I think when it comes down to it, the biggest argument for nerfing it is it doesn't really lead in my opinion, to fun gameplay. It's not really fun to play against. It's not fun to lose to. It's <laughs> But you would remove all of aggro if you use that definition, Seth. Is it fun getting burnt to death? Is it fun getting cranial plating to death? <laughs> well, I, I think Infect I, is... For some reason, to me, Infect is different. I don't know if I can make a a really good argument as to why it feels different, but for some reason losing to in fact on turn three is maybe the worst feeling in all of modern at least it, it, from my perspective i can deal with losing to affinity i can deal with losing to bird and all those things but for some reason to me in fact feels particularly unfun to play against so i think that's the main reason i want to see it go and we have precedent for decks that are Seven, nine, ten percent of the metagame getting banned because that's what they did with Twin. I mean, the bigger yeah. argument might be just to bring Twin back and trust that that would naturally police the format. I think that, like, right now without Twin, decks aren't really forced to play interaction. You figure, like, uh, what can I do anyway? I just am going to try to combo off before my opponent. And Twin was a deck that kind of made that risky because... It could combo off slower than the other decks, but it could also disrupt. So it kind of did play this policeman role in the format that kind of feels like it's missing now. And decks can really skimp on interaction because there's no twin floating around. So I wonder if the format would just be healthier if twin came back off the ban list. And that would improve a lot of Modern's problems. That would be interesting. I, I can see why losing to Infect. Like, it's not every aggressive list. Because, I mean, you do start at 10. Like, starting at 10 is a little way different than starting at 20. And they only need a few cards to get there. Like, I understand most... Maybe it's it's just a actual full turn faster than most other decks. And you're right, Seth. It's at a percentage where other decks have been neutered in the past. Like, like Twin. I think just taking out Become Immense would probably solve a lot of its issues. That that just seems like the mo like the target here where if you got rid of that, it would just be it would probably stick around, but it would be more akin to other aggressive lists. You yeah. know, like and it still could be faster than the other aggressive lists, but not where you're losing an entire turn faster than where you should be losing. Just to add on to you guys' points, I think it's the one-turn-kill aspect that makes it feel bad, which is why yeah. all of these one-turn-kill decks are getting banned. So, in fact, is the deck where you're at 20 life, you tap out, and you might legitimately die. That's the same as Splinter Twin. That's the same as Storm. You know, all the other decks, you can see yourself progressively dying. Against Burn, you're going from, you know, 20 to 15 to 12 to 8, and, you know, you, you see yourself going down that slope. Whereas these other decks, uh, the ones that people dislike, you tap out, you're at full life, and you may just die. And I think that's the feel bad that we're getting, and I think that's what Wizards is trying to avoid. So if you use that argument, in fact, should go, right? Because it's one of those just weird one-turn kill decks that can do it on turn three or four. And if you tap out, you're dead. The, the other thing that makes, in fact, in my opinion, feel especially bad is they intentionally made it so you can't really interact with it. Like, with Burn, you can 
play Leyline of Sanctity or play timely reinforcements to gain life. Against Finity, you have Stony Silence. They intentionally made it so you can't get rid of poison counters, so you have this, like, you're even more helpless than in most situations. You don't have the sideboard cards that interact with the mechanic like you do for Burn or for Dredge. You have Graveyard Hater. For Tron, you can play Land Destruction. For Infect, you just you can't do anything about poison counters, so you, you can't gain the life back like you would against the Burn deck. So I think that makes it feel even worse because you, you just don't have options to deal with it like you would with a lot of the other big decks that still qu- kill quickly. Hashtag free Le- leeches. Line of infect. <laughs> we need, we need, we need to, we need to free leeches. We need to add leeches into. We do. We have Malira. You could you hit- just throw Malira on your deck. Oh, there you go. throw Malira. There you go. Hey. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I can see. It just seems like it's a circle, right? Like, yeah, they probably should deal with infect at some point. Like, become immense. Like I said, is probably the the culprit here. But then we get, we went back to a discussion, and I, you know, Richard brought up a really great point, right? Is um, once once you ban a deck, like you pretty much have to ban all the unfair decks, right? Because if you ban one unfair deck, it's everyone's just migrating to the next unfair deck, and then it's just the next unfair deck. So we talked about like just the conversation of if you're gonna do, if you're gonna, you have to have like a mission statement almost, and if your mission statement is we don't want people to die. Un, you know, until turn four or after, then it's pretty much all or nothing, right? Like we we talked about, if if you're going to do one thing, you pretty much have to do everything because it's just not going to be productive. I think I'm just salty because they banned all the good blue delve cards, <laughs> but they left the the green delve cards. So like I can't draw hey. three cards, but you can give a creature plus six plus six on turn two. That's okay. But hey, draw might've... three cards. That's that's not allowable. Hey, people laugh when I was casting Might of Oaks, you know, like it happens. <laughs> no, but I, I do understand. It's it's a little crazy. <laughs> so do you think anything for next BNR or we're just going to keep keep moving along with no changes? Depends which Kaladesh cards break modern. <laughs> fair. But I don't fair, think they would yeah. change anything. I, I don't think Twin is coming back. I don't think Bloodbraid Elf is coming back. Uh I right. don't. Maybe they. Maybe we, they've had enough, and they just ban infect to stop the complaining. But I don't. I don't think it's an actual issue. Uh, but I also didn't think twin was an issue. Yeah. But you know, wizards can do what they want to do, I, right? I, I I would I would have more of an issue with it if there's if there hasn't been any new innovation in the format. Like we're still seeing new decks kind of pop up, right? Like even the new nightfall list. Like that list is still doing pretty well, and that's that's been a r- kind of rumbling along for a little while and suddenly is now really good right it's just all these decks take a while to mature and i think people just don't realize that there's still innovation going on i think that twin really should be unbanned but i don't think it'll happen because that would be wizards admitting that they shouldn't have banned it in the first place essentially like i think it could be unbanned two or three years down the road but i can't imagine like within a year wizards just gonna be like all right you were right we just wanted to shake up the pro tour you can have twin back now right maybe maybe not within a year but i mean them unbanning something i don't think they're you know adverse to i mean they did it with wild and Nakatl. i mean they'll they'll do it again if they have to i think it's possible but i think it'll take longer than the next announcement i do think peregrine drake like if nothing changes and it's really hard for things to change in Popper, you just don't get the same type of answers in an all common format that you do in other formats. So it's going to be really hard for them to print a common that efficiently ends this combo. So I think that that's got to be at the top of the list for the next BNR announcement. Fair enough. All right. So let's move on to Hariruya's announcement here of Frontier. And this is honestly, so what's going on is it's M15 forward, right? Um, and that it's kind of like standard plus one. But it's it's something that we actually talked about. Maybe they listen to the podcast. Who knows? But it's something. It's like, that finally, <laughs> all the people that keep asking Fishmail about new modern, they're like, yeah. Yeah. It, no, I, it's like, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, like, people have just been waiting. They've been talking about theoretical modern. And we're like, it's just theoretical, guys. It's just theoretical. Don't worry. And then, boom. <laughs> this morning, Harry has like, we've done it. New modern. Yeah. So, Frontier. And it is, it's something that we talked about. So, the, the new 
card frames, right? Like, this is basically new card frames forward, and maybe they have a lot of M15 (laughs) inventory they need to sell. Maybe it'll be successful, but I think it's pretty good for a, you know, a sizable store like Harurui to try something like this. I know there's been movements in the past. We, We had, like, Eternal. We had Tiny Leaders. We have all these formats that just... For whatever reason, even, you know, if the idea is great, just never get up off the ground. There's a lot of pushback. I mean, I got kind of tired with all the arguing. And maybe they just press on and they just do their own thing and somehow this sticks and people like it. Uh, so so thoughts on, on the format. Uh, we'll start with you, Richard. Uh, I think it's cool. I mean, this is how new formats happen. It happened with Popper. It happened with Commander. Uh, it tried to happen with Tiny Leaders and Eternal. Those failed. So basically, it's self-selecting. Someone will champion a format, and if people like it, it will stick around. And then if they don't, it, it goes away. Uh, what's interesting is their choice. Uh, M15 forward, you're missing... So you have, you have fetch lands, but you're missing shock lands. So the mana base will be super slow. And it feels like block-constructed. Uh, it feels like collected company format. Uh, so it's, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, but my real question is where did it come from? Uh, did the Haruya guy sit there and say, hey, we have so many cons and M15 cards, we need to move them, let's make this format? <laughs> or was it actually, you know, every week there's a group of 10 players that play their made-up format, and they're like, hey, can you guys add prize support, and, you know, we'll help you run a legitimate tournament on this new format we've created? So that, to me, is the real question. Was there actual demand for this, or... Uh, did someone just manufacture this and hope players would come play? And I guess we'll find out when they uh, start running the tournaments and you know see what the show up actually turns out to be. But overall, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, I'm not interested in the format. It, like I said, it seems like super block constructed, uh, or you know just old standards. <laughs> you know, like you're just playing last season standard. Yeah. Uh, you don't really get the the modern aspect of. You know, there are combo decks you can play with the most powerful cards of all time. It's just kind of super standard. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it turns out. And I'll keep an eye on it, but I don't think I'll be participating, especially since I'm not going to go to Japan and go to Haruya just to play this. <laughs> but uh, if it ever makes it out to Moto one day, <laughs> uh, well, I'll give it a shot. Fair enough. Uh, Seth? I think it's cool, too. Like, I'm glad that people are innovating and trying new things. Wizards is pretty slow to add new formats. Like, it took a long time for Modern to develop into a real supported format. Same with Commander. So, if new formats are going to actually become supported, the most typical path for them to take is by this grassroots effort from players to start playing. And once Wizards realizes that there's a market out there, they're going to do things to meet that market and actually support it. So I think that we have seen examples of stuff like this working. There might be a higher percent chance of this working than some of the past examples we've seen because it is supported by big stores and the tournaments have real price support. I think the first tournament they're doing first place gets 10 booster boxes, which is pretty legit price support for a brand new format. Also like Richard, it just doesn't appeal to me. It's just going to be siege rhinos bouncing off each other and people collected company. And the actual format itself doesn't sound like something I would enjoy playing. I would rather have seen an earlier start date. Maybe I've seen Innistrad as a suggestion. I've myself have wondered about like Shards Valara, the first mythic sets. If you're looking for like a compromise between modern and standard, this just, leans way too much towards standard for me like the the card pool just isn't big enough uh because modern is very big it goes back to 2003 we're at 2016 now i would have rather seen the start date be more towards the middle around maybe shards of alara zendikar rather than starting all the way up at m15 like it's just not a big big enough card pool for a lot of decks to exist so it's just going to be Creatures bouncing off of each other like standard, which is fine, and it gives new players uh, or recent players a place to take advantage of rotated cards, which they otherwise might not have any use for. So that's a good thing. But for me, I don't expect to be building any decks for it anytime soon. Yeah, and this is something that we talked about right before the cast, and that is the appeal, right? Like, you had four-color Jeskai or whatever, 
And you basically just get to keep that, right? Like, so all these cards don't rotate, and you basically have all these cards to play, right? I'm kind of leaning towards you guys. I think it will be fun. It's something to look at, but ultimately, I just don't know if it has the the staying power to to last because this this looks exactly like. I mean, it's not going to rotate. It's not rotational, but this looks exactly like extended, and that kind of just fell off i mean it's just maybe it has to take a longer time for more sets to accumulate because like you said Seth, there's a really limited card pool i i don't doubt that it's going to be a lot of collected company siege rhino mantis rider you know dig through time like all the stuff that we basically just saw uh all bouncing off each other so yeah i'm taking the richard approach here and like the wait and see maybe you know with more two-set blocks coming out, it'll look a little better. But for now, um, you know, it's cool, and I, I will follow it, but not going to actively, you know, try to make decks for it. But could be something like if, if you're bored and you need something to do or you're just interested in it, you could do it. And I don't, I don't fault anyone for that. I changed my opinion. I forgot that Dig Through Time and Treasure Cruise are legal in this format. Uh, this is like the only place I can play those cards. So, uh, how long until they release an emergency ban list? Of Dig Through Time and Treasure Cruise. Yeah. Honest, honestly, though, those cards were pretty fair and standard, and this looks a lot like standard. So, I imagine that they'll be good, but not too broken. Well, as more sets come out, they'll eventually become broken. That that's probably that is probably true, but I think right now they're probably just good cards, like in the format yeah. as it currently exists. Right, I, I think like I think uh, the the standard that we just came from, where you know Jace Friends Prodigy, Mantis Rider, Siege Run, all these four color decks. I think that's actually a really good place. Like a lot of these core decks will start from. Um, that felt really powerful. It's really awkward to only have half of the fetch lands like i really don't yeah. like partial land cycles they just do yes. weird things to formats we were talking about that with the them finally printing the rest of the fast lands and how that's awesome for modern so that part feels weird to me and it's not only that but the fetchable lands are also only a partial cycle so the mana is going to be super awkward yeah. with the battle for zendikar lands and the fetch lands so it's going right. to really push people towards allied color decks basically which i don't know if that's necessarily what we want a lot of bant <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> no but I, I agree with you it's it's definitely a work in progress uh like we've we've talked about this on podcast before with new formats um it's it's a wait and see kind of thing it's if it's popular then it's there if it's if it doesn't stick then you're right it doesn't stick but um you know i mean just just Trying to push it off the bat with huge pie support doesn't always translate into long-term uh, success. So we'll see where it goes. All right. Um, so was there something else before fish mail that I'm forgetting or not? Yep. We'll use no, okay. fish mail. Yep. Let's go fish mail. We have a lot of fish mail this week, as always. So yep. tweet at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail, and we'll answer your questions on air. So. First question from C Brown Fit. I want to buy Abrupt Decay WMCQ promo playset. When is peak supply for these, and when to buy? What's the general rule? I don't know how much longer they're going to be handing these out. Are they? Are they even? Are they done already? No. Aren't there WMCQs coming up shortly? I saw a lot yeah, of people complaining about right. no bands because they wanted the WMCQ to be different. So I'm assuming that they're still being released for the rest of this year. I think it goes by the year. Yes. So I, I expect more copies to be entering the system. I'm having a hard time finding the price on these right now. Uh, I will say that if you look back over old WMCQ promos, they tend to kind of find a medium ground between the regular non-foil price and the foil set price. So a little bit more expensive than a normal version, but not as expensive as a pack foil. So that's the price range I would be shooting for, kind of like right in between those two price points. Yeah. Was it now, 
I might be getting mixed up here. Is this is a snap the Snapcaster Mage promo the MC or WMCQ or no? Was that that was a different promo? The WMCQs okay. we had a Vengevine, we had the right, Lepke, okay, Geist of Saint Traft, and gotcha. one other one that I'm forgetting at the moment. Gotcha. Uh, Thal- uh, Thalia, the Thalia, Thalia promo. Right. Okay. Um, uh, Snapcaster, the Snapcaster made. So this might be a bad comparison, but I think you're right, Seth. Except the Snapcaster Mage, maybe there's just less supply, but those were round pack foil too. Maybe just because people really like the art. I think that is a factor. Like it might be a small factor, but I think generally Seth is right here in terms of uh, the price. Uh, in terms of when to pick these up, if there's a bunch of MC WMCQs about to happen, then I would definitely wait until after that all right this next question is my favorite question <laughs> uh, i will pose it to you guys because it's too hard for me at net brian t if a high percentage of a set's value is in masterpieces how will that affect magic online redemption economy oh seth uh well we know the masterpieces aren't going to be in packs in the regular set packs on magic online so, in theory, this is a bad thing for Magic Online players. What this means is the normal sets, the normal cards in a set, the non-Masterpiece cards in the set are going to be worth less, but there aren't any expeditions on Magic Online. So, in theory, the Magic Online card prices will likely suffer and redemption will likely be less valuable because of the masterpieces being in the set. So that's the general consensus I've heard from players, is this is generally a bad thing for Magic Online players. If you're drafting, you're, the cards you open are likely to be less valuable because Magic Online doesn't have the expeditions. Mm, and it, it, so is there le- so there'll probably be less incentive to even redeem them, right? Uh, that seems likely the big problem with Redemption is they have this massive tax on it, which is not changing. Yeah. So because of that huge tax, it's hard for the market to fully adjust because that's that $25 is always set in stone. So it will likely make Redemption less profitable than it was before. Not that it was really massively profitable at most points since they changed to the $25 fee instead of the $5 fee a couple years ago. Fair enough. So will this affect the the booster pack prices in any way? That's a good question. I tend to think that people will still just draft them. And because there's less in in circulation now with some of the changes they've made to play points, we've seen even not very valuable EV-wise boosters maintain value just because people want them for drafting. So I, I don't think we'll see a huge impact on the actual booster prices. Because when a set's being drafted, there isn't a strong correlation from what I've seen between the EV of a pack and the actual value of a pack. It's more about people need those packs to join the next draft, and it's cheaper to buy them on the secondary market than to buy them from Wizards. So, All right, so TLDR, your cards will be worth less in the set. <laughs> Good for standard players, uh, bad for drafters, and people trying to redeem. Uh, next question, Daniel Farrell, 15... I know it's never going to happen, but what would happen if Lightning Bolt was banned from Modern? <laughs> no to, one would play it. You get to <laughs> die to infect on turn three even more consistently. <laughs> uh, you would see more disfigures. You would see more dismembers. Yeah. You would see more uh, tragic slips. Other than that, I mean, I guess aggro and burn get taken down a notch, but this card is just so universal. I don't know that you would start playing Incinerate or something. I don't think that's going to happen, but I think the format would just get a bit slower, except in fact would kill you faster. So so here's <laughs> yeah. a question for you. Is Lightning Bolt to Modern what Brainstorm is to Legacy? Like, is it that format defining of a card? Pretty much. No, 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 no. You don't. You don't play modern just to cast a lightning bolt. <laughs> I mean, it's it very. Certainly, it certainly helps. <laughs> it's important. Like, would modern exist without fetch lands? Yes, it would. Right, but it's fetch lands are very important for modern, and I think lightning bolt is important. But you know, I literally would not play legacy if you remove brainstorm. <laughs> Whereas well, if you remove lightning bolt, I'm like, oh, that sucks. I guess 
we'll do something else. So then what's what's Modern's Brainstorm? I don't know what... Like, I think the closest would be Lightning Bolt or Tarmogoyf, but I don't think any of those are strong enough for you to quit playing Modern if they were banned. Right. Well, that just could... That could be just you as a Modern player. Yeah. Like, kind of adapting, but... Okay, so the closest thing is probably lightning bolt then. Like I can't, I can't understand anyone who has like so much joy casting a lightning bolt. I mean, I guess I don't know Patrick Sullivan or something, right? But <laughs> <laughs> to me, it's just like it's an efficient card. Whereas Brainstorm is like right. a whole game in itself. Fair enough. Uh, next question from Darkness Zora: Do you think people will get burnt out seeing the Gate Watch in every set going forward? Yeah, we talked about this at one point. Um, I think so. I think they have to at least switch it up if they're going to keep this Gatewatch uh, storyline going. It can't just be the same Planeswalkers all the time. Maybe they might add new Planeswalkers, and we're at this point where it's like the Justice League, and there's like tw- like 15 different people in the in the uh, in the the Gatewatch. But the way it's going now, it, it definitely will get repetitive soon. Oh, it's already getting repetitive for me. One of my oh. nightmares is that the storyline is just going to become this weird Planeswalker soap opera. And it's going to be like, oh, who's Chandra dating this set? And oh, if, what's Jace been doing behind everyone's back? And that's going to be like the next five years of magic. And I don't I like the storyline. I like the Planeswalkers. But honestly, I don't really care that much about the personal lives of these characters on a day-to-day basis and from watching some of the the pack stuff it sounds like that was the direction they were going they suggested that having like romantic entanglements and all this stuff could be part of the future storyline of of the gatewatch so i'm a little skeptical of that and not too excited if that's the direction the story's heading damn not a huge comic book fan huh (laughs) (laughs) that is uh yeah that that I can see some people having that position. On the other side, I mean, what else is... I mean, maybe we can go back to a a time where... I mean, I'm just going to bring up my personal interaction with, like, the story where I thought it was really compelling is the whole Onslaught Odyssey. I I read all the books, and that was really interesting. You had, like, Ixidor, you had Kamal, you had Jessica... You had Balthor, like Chainer, like that was all really compelling, and that had no planeswalkers. Maybe it's just that the characters have to be compelling even outside of the planeswalkers. Maybe they need to be like an afterthought for a little while. And I mean, I would be fine with the storyline having those things, but I would rather see it be how it has traditionally been, where we jump into this scene and this storyline for a year, for a block, and then we see some other people and see what's going on in the other aspect of the world. If it's just Jace and Chandra and Liliana and Nyssa for the next five years and every story revolves around them and uh, what's going on in their lives, that doesn't really appeal to me. I want to see more than that and other people and characters and planeswalkers and legendary creatures be part of the story. Fair enough. Yeah, I... I... I, It's like... (laughs) But... But I guess in that sense, it's like you're trying to figure out more about Metropolis if you're not, <laughs> right? Like, if you're not interested in Superman, right? Basically. Right. <laughs> I mean, Innistrad. Think original Innistrad. I think that was the best example. Yes, you had some recurring characters of uh, Liliana chasing Garrick or, or whatever, right? You had that story. But then you also had the story of the world, right? You had... Jissa and Giralf, you had Thalia and Gristlebrand, you had uh, that that Lunark guy, I forgot his uh, name. Micaeus. 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 Yeah. So there was an actual story to the plane, and it was investigating the plane and, and whatnot, and there were some planeswalkers battling. And I felt that was done really well. Whereas Battle for Zendikar is just like, uh, superheroes come in and do some stuff, and I don't really care. So I, I think there's a balance to be had there, and... I kind of like the old style of telling a story, right? Where you had characters, you had a plane, some stuff happened, story resolves, move on to the next set of characters. Yeah, yeah. But now they just keep bringing the characters back and the characters keep doing more stuff. And we keep adding more planeswalkers because we need more planeswalker cards. (laughs) So it just is getting out of hand. And 
I'm, I'm a little burnt out from planeswalkers. Not even just the old ones, but even the new ones. Like, does everyone need to be a planeswalker? <laughs> like, I thought it was supposed to be special, right? But apparently there's planeswalkers everywhere, and everywhere you go, there's a planeswalker around the corner. And it kind of just makes all the other characters less important. So I'd, I'd rather see a more a more emphasis on legendary characters. And you can have your planeswalkers, but maybe just one or two as the focal of every set, as opposed to one of every color like that they, they seem right. to need to do. Yeah, you're going the direction like they need to be more part of the story, like than rather than just the story revolving around them. Like right, because uh, magic is a fantasy game, right? right? We like fantasy things. We we didn't sign up to follow five characters around the multiverse, right? We signed right. up to play dragons and raid castles and I don't know whatever, right? Like fantasy story things. And so it's kind of uh, maybe cons is a bad example, but that was like kind of interesting the way they had cons and then like. You're trying to resurrect Ugin, and there was a storyline, but Sarkhan was not really... It wasn't revolving around him, but he was just part of it. So something like that is what you're saying? Or Yeah, cons, I think, told the story of the plane. I think I guess it's the return to planes that kind of suffer, because there's no more <laughs> yeah. story when you return, and yeah, yeah. you gotta kind of, like, tack on stuff. Yeah. Although I, I think Kamigawa is old enough that you can... Uh... <laughs> we can always go back there. I... I'm willing to give it a shot because we've only seen this is what the the second block or third block I guess since they've kind of started this so maybe it's going to change but it seems like every block they've done the storyline has been oh there's a planeswalker on this plane that's in trouble so they call all the rest of the gatewatch and then they all fight the bad guys and then the next block they do the same thing oh this time Chandra's on Kaladesh and she needs some help so she gets the rest of the gatewatch so uh, that storyline or gimmick for setting up why the gatewatch is there is kind of getting old to me already I, I want to see something more than that a little more creativity maybe alright next question from Kyle A. Swagger recently got back into magic after a 12 year plus hiatus want to build competitive modern list wait until after BNR and modern masters 2017 uh, this was sent in last week <laughs> okay yeah definitely well it would have been good to wait till after the BNR good thing is there's no changes so you don't have to worry about cards suddenly spiking or declining and I think waiting to the release of M- M17 is probably the best overall bang for your buck but if you want to start assembling cards now um unless they're like extremely steep uh it's probably still a good idea you you won't lose too too much on like the lower end cards it it's it's really hard to say without knowing exactly what deck you're looking to build because the normal trend with these master sets is the prices of the cards that get reprinted drop, but then the other cards in the decks that don't get reprinted often rise to the point yes. where the decks end up costing the same amount. So it would be if it would be more about figuring out the deck you want and trying to make some educated guesses and picking up stuff that you don't think will show up in Modern Master 17 now, and then waiting to pick up the rest of the cards after Modern Master 17. That's the way to get the absolute lowest price. I wouldn't want to be draw- buying Snapcasters and Lilianas right now, but if you look at cards that were reprinted in the last Modern Masters, for example, if you want to buy Affinity, you're probably fairly safe to get your Arcbound Ravagers now because they've been reprinted multiple times. So I think it's more weighing the cards on the individual basis and on a deck-by-deck basis and trying to make some good guesses as far as that goes. Yeah, the good thing is that modern prices are declining overall so i think waiting until after yet another modern masters release uh would probably be better than but yeah like like Seth said it's it's hard to know that without a specific deck but i think waiting for the master set is probably a good idea all right also from kyle since shadows over innistrad launch i've been piecing together a blue black zombie list including valuables such as foil liliana uh, should I sell for UW control? For uh, standard? You should, you this should. seems like standard, right? Okay. Uh, if you ever choose between two options and playing blue-white control is one of them, it's always correct to choose <laughs> blue-white control. <laughs> uh, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe just ignore that and 
play what you want to play. How about yeah. that? If yeah. you like UV zombies, play UV zombies. If you like playing control, play control. But we don't even know if control is going to be good or not. So if you want to pioneer it, then you can go ahead or you can just wait and see if it's actually a real deck. Yep. Uh, next question from Alex Hertz. What if Wizards made a super booster for each set with two rares that came out nine months later and cost one dollar more? Uh, that would what? be interesting. Uh, I I don't know. Would people buy those? I think I guess the thing I worry about is the time we've seen Wizards do creative things with boosters, like the foil Shards of Alara boosters. Yeah, they just fell very flat, and people <laughs> did not want to pay more money for their booster packs. So that would be my worry. Although the idea of getting more rares into the system and more supply out there is pretty cool, and I guess I'd have to think about it more. Yeah, I, I think a, a creative and probably effective way to do this would be like a here's a last standard like deck builders toolkit kind of thing. Like, not that maybe they should just change the way the deck builder toolkit is implemented now and actually insert like decent cards into it. I don't know because I, yeah, you're right. It, it's like a hit or miss with these booster and these seal product type things, but I don't know if paying one dollar more and you get two rares, uh, maybe. It's just so confusing. I it think is. if they wanted to do something like this, they would do something like masterpieces or you know, they would do something to the existing booster and modify it in some way. You know, they could drop the MSRP, they can Right add two rares and make that the standard going forward but just having so many different products it's already confusing enough when you go to buy a magic product like what exactly are you buying if you're a new player yeah so i, I don't know that adding a, an extra one nine months later is gonna make it easier for people yeah uh next question from at geek no evil does goldfish have an api to gather prices from if not any plans uh we do not have an api maybe there are plans people keep asking for it so i don't know uh, it could happen in the future, but as of right now, there are no plans uh, for such a thing. Next question from at Mint Black Lotus: If there was a masterpiece series in Shadows block, what theme would fit the block? What cards would you guys pick? Oh, is Uncle Istavan on the reserve list? No, <laughs> definitely Uncle Istavan. <laughs> that would be sweet. Uh, I really don't. I, I guess, like, creepy crawlies, like, things that go bump in the night, like, just horrors and, like, stuff like that, craziness. I don't know. That That's the first place my mind went, but I don't know if you can get much value there. Like, it's hard sure to think can. of any... Like, like what? What's a I don't know if they're all gonna be. I don't know if they're all going to be great, but, I mean, you definitely could do, like, Emrakul. You can do the other... El- Drazi Titans. So from the Vault Eldrazi? No, no, no. Then you have like Laquatus' Champion. Okay. Like, you have stuff like that. Mesmeric Fiend, Tidehell Sculler. But I'm saying those uh, are all like bulk cards. Like who wants <laughs> ex- who wants Inventions bulk cards edition? Well, Emrakul. What? <laughs> That's not bulk. Oh, uh, I I don't I don't know. I think that eventually we might get to the point where it's not so much theme, but stuff that needs to be attached to the set. So I could imagine that Shadows would be like Liliana, Snapcaster, along with some other horror-flavored stuff. But I could imagine using it to reprint, especially for Return 2 sets, reprint expensive stuff from the previous set that you don't want back in Standard. Yeah, I think that would be it. You could choose the legendary creatures like Gristlebrand, Thalia, Liliana, uh, Snapcaster. Well, Snapcaster's not legendary, but... He's iconic. Snapcaster, or even some of the lands if you need to. So I think that's where they'd have to go, because, like, what else could you really choose? Like, zombies? Like, what what could you choose yeah. that fits in a straw that actually has enough value? As long as there's the value clause to it, you're very limited in what you can choose. Deathbringer because... Weege? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> because I want to open my, you know, my champion's helm. That's exactly what I'm looking for. There has to I'm be there down. has to be a couple stinkers. There has to be. One. But if the half of them are stinkers, then I don't care about these expeditions anymore, right? There's a couple stinkers in the masterpiece one. Come on. Not really. Oh. Champion's helm is the stinker. That's it. And even that's oh. like commander playable. It's not like a stinker like what was the random common you mentioned, Chaz? <laughs> 
<laughs> mesmeric fiend. Yeah, like that's it's not card. a mesmeric fiend. <laughs> that's a good card. What? <laughs> what a champion's helm is pretty bad. Like I understand it's worth a couple, you know, a little bit, but come on, that's not, not that I would be. I w- I would still be fine with opening it, like because I will likely, but. You know, just so that's out there, but come on. In, in comparison to the other ones, that's really bad. Even Lightning Greaves is, like, really bad in comparison. What? No, Light- Lightning Greaves is an EDH staple. Oh, there are plenty of people that love that. Uh, I'm just saying in comparison to, the like, the high-end ones, there's definitely some stinkers. But th- that's a that's a price issue, right? Right, okay. In terms of playability, like, Lightning <laughs> Greaves is, like, the most played card ever in EDH, uh, right? All right, I'd probably still take a look. Like I said, I would take any of them, but I'm just saying that there's got to be some feel-bad ones in there. You guys were talking about the Gear Hulks like two weeks ago that you wouldn't want to open a Gear Hulk. Yeah, those are the Uh, feel-bads. Okay, so, you know. But Wizards has shown they're going to do a standard cycle. Like, they did that with with the lands in Battle for Zendikar, too, so I don't especially like it but i understand why they're doing it they want some standard cards so like right okay. it's not great but i've come to grips with that but i think the cards they don't even all have to be valuable but they got to be playable and that's what i really liked about the inventions is even most of the bad ones are like oh i would play this in my commander deck yeah it's a five dollar rare but it's it looks really good and i will play this in commander once we get to the like laquatus champion and stuff like that what? it's just it's jump the it's oh. jump the shark for me <laughs> How that, oh, that's a good card. That was, well, it was a good card, but I'd still, I'd still mess with the Laquatus' champion expedition. That'd be sick. But yeah, I did though. (laughs) What what else are you going to do with any of these cards? Throw them in your cube or your EDH or whatever. I don't know. Find some crazy (laughs) Laquatus' champion blink. I want to see Chaz's EDH deck. It would, it, <laughs> yeah. They are, uh, they are not very, very good. I do, right. I do like the the one versus one aspect though. So I'm more, I'm more akin to doing that. I don't, I don't. Once we get to the multiplayer aspect, I, I get lost. <laughs> All right, sorry. Let's move Next on. Next question from Abinav J. I wanted to ask what you think the financial future for cards like Anafenza, Collective Brutality. Harbinger of Tides, Goblin Dark Dwellers, Storm Chaser Mage, <laughs> Reflector Mage. <laughs> uh, and then he goes on to list what he bought them for and what price they're at, but that's not too relevant. So what, what, do, you, what do you think of these recently standard playable cards, or currently standard playable cards? Uh, Anafenza, Collective Brutality, Harbinger, Goblin Dark Dwellers, Storm Chaser, Reflector Mage. The problem is is that a lot of those cards are in expedition sets and if they were going to go up at any point it would not be soon. Uh basically 90% of the cards that were listed there if there's going to be any price movement it would be 100% predicated on their standard play like coming up. If somehow Goblin Dark Dwellers is a huge role play like a huge part of standard, it could go up a little bit but long term I think the only decent one out of that would probably be collected co- collective brutality since it sees modern play but even even then like it, it might not be a modern playable card forever who knows well I think the intent of this question is all of these are modern playable and some some of these are standard legal or recently standard legal but all of these have potential or already are seeing. And by I, potential, I mean, like, already in lists. But I don't see Anafenza too much. Anafenza is a sideboard card. Abzan. Okay. All Dark right. Dwellers, Boom Bus, or just mm-hmm. Value Grixis. Collective Brutality is everywhere. Harbinger in Merfolk. Storm Chaser in Blue Red. I haven't seen Reflector Mage, but I'm sure it'll show up somewhere. Fringe, fringe, so fringe at this point? Yeah, some of these are fringe or some okay. of these are established, but they have potential. So what do you do with these? Uh, I think for me that... If I'm looking to invest in cards for the long term in modern, I want them to be true staples or I want them to be very, very cheap from their not seeing any standard play when they're going into rotation. And none of these cards really fit that bill for me. They're all playable and I think they're good, but the supply of modern sets is just so high. I don't know if 
we're at a point anymore where for newly printed cards, if being a one or two of in the sideboard or even being an archetype staple like Harbinger of Tides that shows up in a lot of Merfolk decks, I don't know if that's enough for a card to really show significant gains. And the reprint schedule is so accelerated with all these supplemental products that by the time you would be realizing gains, you're going to be sweating the fact that they're going to get reprinted and you're going to go back to square one and lose anything that you would have gained. So as far as finance, I wouldn't be super excited about holding these because I think it would take a long time and I would be very worried about reprintings by the time they would eventually pay off if they did it all. Yep. And doubly so for the uncommons, just because supply is magnitudes higher for uncommons. It takes a ton for a a recently printed uncommon to maintain any real value. Right. I mean, we're still looking at, like, Glistener Elf, a common at this point from New Phyrexia is just now, like, a few dollars. And New Phyrexia is significantly lower supply than what you see with, like, Reflector Mage or Storm Chaser Mage. So, I... I just wouldn't hold them financially. Uh, I think if you need them to play with, they're great cards to have because I think they'll be part of modern, but I wouldn't expect huge price spikes. Yep. All right. Next question from Matt P. I was wondering what your take on the announcement that Masterpieces will not be in packs on Moto is. Seems odd. I don't know why they would do this. Uh, why would they choose not to put it in packs like with the Expeditions? So Expeditions are also not in packs. Expeditions were in packs. Oh, they were? Expeditions were in packs, but they've announced that moving forward, the inventions and I'm assuming previous ones will not be in packs. Gotcha. So I am just waiting to see. They said by the end of the month, which is about three or four days from now, they would be announcing how we'd actually be getting these cards. So I'm waiting to see what they say. The pie in the sky scenario would be some sort of way to uh, craft them. It would be awesome if there was a way you could trade unused play points to get a random expedition or something like that or invention uh but i'm guessing it's more likely to be we get them in cube prize packs or something like that because that doesn't require uh the amount of programming it would take to have a whole new system for these cards so my jaw would literally drop if there was a crafting system in moto (laughs) (laughs) like on the likelihood of that happening like I'm at, like, negative 20%. <laughs> it's one of those things that everyone has done and has shown to be very fun and good, but I just cannot see them doing it. <laughs> if it were to happen, would your, like, mind be completely blown? My mind would be blown. I would be so high on Moto. It's like anything is possible now. If they can implement crafting. <laughs> it's like they can't even make, like, rule changes correctly, right? They can't even add cards in a timely manner. But if they can somehow get crafting done, like, oh my god. Yeah, it seems unlikely. Last week, they had their downtime and couldn't even make Moto work for, like, 48 hours afterwards or something. There was So, if you can't even make stuff like that happen, it seems pretty unlikely you can program a whole new, like, crafting system. But How's it, You finish a league and you randomly get a Thopter part. And then if you get the right six Thopter parts, you combine them into a random expedition. Like, it would be so sweet, but... It's not going to happen. <laughs> Probably just like, uh, yeah, they're the, they're the prizes of the legendary cube or whatever. Or they build your own cube. And then that'll be that. Uh, next question from Brian Q. I recently became interested in playing Death Shadow Aggro. I have the mana base, but don't have the parts. What do you think the chances are for cards like Death Shadow and Mishra's Bobble to be included in Modern Masters 2017? 80%. I'm a little more skeptical just because... It seems like the set could have been designed before Wizards realized that Mishra's Bobble and Death Shadow were going to spike so much because they weren't really major players, and they're not really that good for limited necessarily, so I could imagine them being missed. I think it's possible, but I'm going to go more like 50%, maybe 40% that they actually show up, so I'm... I'm right in the middle. I, I, I'm mostly concerned about the timing. I think if they were making Modern Masters now, they would very likely be in. But since they designed the set, whatever, a year and a half ago, I don't know if they ne- knew that they needed Death Shadow and Mishra's Bobble to be reprinted at that time. Yeah, I don't know about Bobble. Death Shadow, maybe, but Bobble is one of those weird cards that I don't think they want reprinted. Like, it's a do-nothing card with a weird mechanic, like drawing at the next upkeep. So I don't know that they actually want to reprint this card and have it be you know very playable i i think it's one of those cards i just want to sweep under the rug 
So I, I don't know about Mishra's Bobble. It's just too weird. I, I think the only reason I'm kind of high on the percentages, we haven't seen them yet. And honestly, what are they going to draw from? Like, yeah, they're probably going to have a lot of repeats, but they still have cards that they have not even touched. So I, I think we're going to see a lot of those cards. And remember, don't they have access to all Return to Ravnica block this time around as well? So there's like a lot of potential new stuff that could fill up some of those slots too that right, wasn't eligible for the last one. Right, that's kind of where I am. Like between the new stuff and the stuff that they didn't even touch before, that's probably where we're going to be. All right, just random question: What is the what are the odds of Lingering Souls new art Modern Masters 2017? No, uh, no. no. No? It is. It is. I literally think that card is just too good for limited. Maybe it rare. No. Oh my god! If they did that, <laughs> rare lingering souls. It is, is so bad. It is seriously just so good in limited. I and they've reprinted it a bunch of times, so I'm thinking they're just gonna put it in these random like dual deck supplementals because they don't want it back in limited. Oh, but it's so iconic and it's such the perfect place to put it. But I think I think you have a point there, though. I dislike it. <laughs> I will downvote you. <laughs> no, <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> that's not that's not how Reddit works. Rich. Are you sure? You're not supposed to downvote based on whether you like the comment or not. Oh. I just follow by example. <laughs> I don't see anyone using your rules, Seth. I, I do tend to upvote if someone posts one of my articles there. I usually do upvote it, so I guess I'm being hypocritical. <laughs> oh. <laughs> It's like, uh, he did it. He did activate Phantasmagorium twice. Demote. <laughs> <laughs> the funniest part about that is not only do I literally have, I don't know, like 100 comments about how I didn't activate Phantasmagorium twice, and about eh, 75% that Phantasmagorium is somehow spelled wrong because it's a really long and weird <laughs> word. So I'm getting yelled at by everyone about a card that no one can even spell because it's so confusing and complicated. <laughs> Well, there you go. I think uh, that's a good place to leave it off. <laughs> Phantasmagorian. Thanks, everyone, for sending those in. Those were all great, as always. All right, so we will do this again next week. Uh, hope everyone enjoyed the pre-release, and enjoy the release of Kaladesh uh, coming up on Friday. We'll do this again. This is the, going to be the MTG Goldfish Crew signing out.